Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. Our title today is Why Jesus Draws You to the End of Yourself. Why Jesus Draws You, and actually all of us, to the end of ourselves. Now, our context is we're, we're living in a, a, a difficult time, a time of extremity, uh, a storm. And uh, COVID-19 has changed our world as we know it. It's changed our work, uh, our families, and our churches. There's so much movement going on in our churches, really around the world. And this is still unfolding a year and a half later. And so there's a sense where God's drawn so much of the global church to an end, to the end of herself, to a time of extremity. And so this storm that we are in is not going away right now. And so this podcast today, Why Jesus Draws You to the End of Yourself, is actually one of the next two or three I'm going to do, to, really speaking to you as leaders, um, uh, parachurch, whether it's parachurch, pastoring, marketplace, leading your family, your community. Uh, we've got to first lead ourselves so we can provide leadership uh, and influence to those around us. And it's not just simply the pandemic. It's the speed of change that has just accelerated around the pandemic. And it's, it can be quite dizzying. And I talk to leaders often, and just, I think there's a sense of frustration, overwhelmness, uh, dizzying sense. And so one of the great gifts that we can give those around us is perspective, uh, another way of framing what God is doing in this storm in which we find ourselves, us seeing God, and then helping others to see him as well. And so these next few weeks, few weeks, I want to address this from different angles. Now, today, I'm going to share a message with you from Mark chapter 5, uh, when Jesus sends, really, he sends the 12 into a storm very purposefully. And he does it after the feeding of the 5,000, and they're closely related. And why does Jesus do this? Because he's seeking to shape them and help them see and taste and feel him, the reality of who he is and his abundance, his glory. And uh, and this podcast, I want to invite you in to a place of being shaped uh, and seeing Jesus, a place of rest, uh, so that you in turn can offer that to those around you in the midst of this very, very unique season in which we find ourselves. God has brought us uh, into this season, uh, and he's allowed it. Uh, and really, it's unlike any other I've ever seen in my lifetime. It's, it's really a, a season of extremity, the end of ourselves. But God wants to meet you. God wants to meet me. God wants to meet our churches uh, and our communities. And he wants to do something in us so that he can do something through us for the sake of the world. It's actually a very holy time. And so if you and I can get the message of Jesus in this fabulous text, we really will uh, enter into that peace that passes all understanding, that eye of the hurricane in Philippians 4, 6. It'll be like Paul and Silas singing uh, in prison in Acts 16. It's it's really hearing and receiving and uh, absorbing the words of Jesus in our bones uh, that's actually in this text. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then we'll cooperate with Jesus in bringing the new of what he's doing uh, into our lives and in those around us. So as you listen today to this message, may you allow, as one theologian has said so well, the word of God to break into you, you and your situation personally and in your family and as the church so that he can create something beautiful and new. So enjoy. All right, let's go to Mark chapter six. If you ever if you need a Bible, raise your hands and uh, uh, raise your hands if you have your... Laptop, iPad, phone, 
whatever it may be, wherever you can find a Bible, go for it, all right? Mark chapter 6. And uh, we're, we're really in a wonderful series on the, the Gospel of Mark. We're calling it Mark's of the Kingdom. But really, the, the whole Gospel of Mark, and I encourage you to read the Gospel of Mark just on your own as we're doing this series through the summer. Because it's such a, each message just builds on each other. It's meant to be an overpowering revelation, unfolding of Jesus that really, in a sense, bowls us over. And today's message, uh, as we've heard in the past, really is so life-transforming. It's, uh, it's called making room for the new reality of Jesus and in, in Jesus. But, but if you get this message, uh, I can assure you, your, your whole life will be different. I don't have it totally. I'm, I'm in my own journey here. But it's, it's a life transformer. And it's, we're here not just to get information about Jesus. We're here to be formed by Jesus. The words be in us, not just in us, but, but change us, not simply in our heads like more Bible knowledge or Bible stories. So let's pray as we begin to commit our, our time to Christ here this morning. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word, which has such power to it, to resurrect us and transform us and free us and cause us to become like you. So I pray that you might breathe on your word, breathe on us, Lord, that our hearts might be soft melted good soil before you and that these words may take root in us 30 60 100 fold and that not only would we be changed but those around us would be changed as we bring forth the fact that there's a new reality lord and that reality is you and so we bless you in your name amen let's read mark 6 beginning in verse 45 to verse 52 that says the lord immediately jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars, because the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, do not take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. Now this is the key verse, verse 52. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Again, verse 52. They were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. So what's interesting about the story, again, is that Jesus sets up a second storm for the disciples. And, and he sends them into the storm. Now, some of you are in a storm. But uh, you're in a storm because, like Jonah, you're running. From God. And God sometimes sends storms because we're running from him. And he sends storms to stop us and get us to turn around. That's some storms. But if you're a follower of Jesus, I can assure you of this. The majority of storms that come your way, he sent them. And he sends you into them. Uh, because he's trying to do something and form something inside of you and give you a revelation. That's what this story is about. So I need you to think about this morning what might be a storm that you're in. Now some of you are in a storm. Some of you are entering a storm, some of you are leaving a storm. But if you're leaving a storm, you'll get back in one soon enough. <laughs> so here's the question I want you to ask, as we start here. I want you to identify one difficult circumstance. 
or fear, challenge, or storm that is before you. I want you to have at least one. Some of you have, someone said to me, I have a dozen. Well, let's just pick one or maybe two that you've got right now that you're, because it's part of living in, in the world in which we live. And God's doing something in there. So, so, so have that in front of you. Now, I'll talk about a situation where you don't know quite what to do. Uh, it's over your head. Because in this storm or in this difficulty, in this wall, God has an invitation for you. Just like he has an invitation for the disciples right here. And for that reason, he put them in the boat and sent them into it. Uh, it's an invitation because God's taking you somewhere. Let me just begin with a story as you think about this. Uh, because I think sometimes we, we just have, we, we, see all the, we see all the big fears, but not, not the small ones that cripple us. Parker Palmer tells a story of a group of teachers uh, from K to 12, 12th grade. And they were working with him for, for two years. But one of these teachers was a high school shop teacher. And uh, he was a big guy, six foot six, 240 pounds, you know, great athletic build, deep voice. And um, you know, no one thought of this man having any fears. And, uh, but the principal had been pressing him for uh, over a year at that point to get him into a summer course on new technologies and its impact on the classroom. But uh, he, re- he refused. He said, nonsense. You know, that's just a fad. You know, kids got to learn the basics. And they can, they can learn that stuff later when they, when they graduate. And the principal and this teacher were locked in a, in a conflict, in an impasse that was going nowhere. There was a lot of tension in their relationship, uh, a lot of strain. But one day, about a year, year and a half, the teacher shows up at the meeting with these other teachers and says, it's over. The cycle's been broken. And what happened was the principal had called him in again to basically demand that he take the course this summer. And, uh, but instead of arguing, this big shop teacher said, all right, I still don't want to go to that course. But now I know why I don't want to go. I'm afraid. I'm afraid I won't understand the material. I'm afraid that my field has passed me by. And I'm afraid that I might be a has-been as a teacher. And there was a silence. And the principal said to him, I'm afraid too. Let's go, to cor- Let's go take the course together. And they did. And of course, the whole relationship was transformed. The, the teacher was transformed. And he found that it wasn't nearly as intimidating as he expected. But, but what happened was for that, that teacher, that high school teacher, was he, he broke into a new way of, of being. In other words, he had fears. We all have fears. But the fears were not who he was. He was able to step over them. They didn't, they didn't cripple him. And uh, he was able to act and move out of a place of honesty about what was really going on inside of him rather than put up walls and protect himself. Now, I said that the title of this message is called, you know, Making Room for the New Reality in Jesus. But I think we underestimate that how our fears and how our, the way we look at life, the way we look at reality, that when we look at it wrongly, it cripples us. Imagine if that teacher had never broken through his fears. Probably would have lost his job at some point, regardless of the impact on the kids and the whole environment of the school. But most of us have an, a reading of reality that's old and faulty. We do things like, you know, ah, oh, things are just going to get worse. Uh, you know what? You get what you deserve. You know what that is? Nothing. Life's one big battle. And God's stingy handing out, you know, blessings. Or you hear this statement. I hear it all the time. Things will never change. Just the way it is. It'll just never change. Or you know what? If it's too good to be true, you better believe it. It's too good to be true. It is not true. In fact, you better protect what you have because people will take it away from you. How about this one? Nothing's free in life. Nothing's free. Or don't expect anything. You'll just be disappointed. 
Or I, one person said to me, when things go wrong, I'll deal with it. I always have. What a great approach to life, you know. <laughs> I was, uh, last year, I'll never forget, I, I was with a, uh, I was going, going to, to lunch with this, this, this woman, and, and we parked the car in a very nice town, suburb, you know, and, and, uh, and my computer was in the back of a trunk. She was taking me to a hotel. And, and, and I remember I, I was walking in the restaurant. I, I said, I, I got to go back and get my bag because in the bag was my computer. And she's like, well, why? I said, well, uh, I'm scarred, you know, like living in New York all these years. You don't like, you know, after 30 years, you just, there are a few robberies. You just, you don't trust anybody, you know. And I, I couldn't imagine sitting down and having lunch without having my bag right there next to me, you know. And she goes, I think you got a problem. I said, I probably do, you know. <laughs> but some of us, we can say we're scarred from life, right? Scarred from living in New York. But, you know, they say a, pes- a dictionary definition of pessimism is a tendency to stress the negative or the unfavorable or to always take the gloomiest view possible. There's many of us in this room. Well, I just want to tell you, everybody, that's the very opposite of the new reality in Jesus. That's the great challenge of this passage. This is a great message for New Yorkers, I'll tell you. Now, here's what happens. It starts in verse 45. We're going to text here. Jesus makes them get in the boat. They just came off a great miracle. He takes them. He's already did this once before, right? We talked about it a couple of months ago, Rich Priestline, the first story of the storm. He does it again. He puts them in a boat, sends them into the lake in the night into a storm. And uh, where they're exhausted. You know, it's, it says it's the, third, it's the fourth watch of the night, which is about three, four, maybe five o'clock in the morning, Roman time. And, and they're, they're tired. The wind's blowing. They're not getting anywhere. And Jesus sees this. So he comes off the land and Jesus starts walking on the water. Okay, you're walking on the water. And so Jesus sees you in your exhaustion. He sees you in your storm. He sees you in the whole thing. He comes to you and he says he's about to pass them by. And the disciples, they see him. I love verse 49 because I, I say, where am I in this story? I am with the disciples when it says they cried out, which means they screamed. Ah! And it says they were terrified. They're just terrified. And uh, they think it's a ghost. Uh, or they don't recognize Jesus. Not sure who he is. It's, and in those days, they believed that there were, there were demons in, in the deep sea. There were demons in these storms. They don't, they don't know if it's God or it's Satan or what's going on. And then Jesus speaks to them and says, take courage. Great words. Verse 51, is it? 50. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. That's it. Take courage. He brackets it. They, got, they don't have any courage at this point. They're frightened to death. They're, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Beautiful, isn't it? Take courage. Take courage. He's breathing into them power. Take courage. When he says, it is I, that's the word that comes out of Exodus chapter 3. When God reveals himself to Moses, Moses says, who are you? And, and the Lord says, I am who I am. So I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am. I am who I am. That's the exact phrase Jesus used here. When he says, it is I, I am who I am. He's saying, I am Jehovah. I am Yahweh. I am the Lord God Almighty. I can walk on the hills of Galilee because I created the hills of Galilee. You know what? I can walk on the sea and the lake because I created the lake of Galilee. Okay? I am. Take courage. I am. Don't be afraid. That's it. That's all he says. He climbs in the boat. It's a great scene, isn't he? He climbs in the boat. And he doesn't have to say anything to the, to the storm. No need. Because just the storm, basically, when he steps in there, he, 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 the storm has such respect for Jesus, without requiring a word from Jesus, the storm stops. That's power, friends. And uh, only God can walk on water. Do you understand? I mean, the Old Testament disciples knew that God, Job 9, 8, God alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. It's God alone who walks. He says, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. 
You may not know what's going on, but relax. So verse 52, however, is the key verse. And the whole passage comes on this one. Because the disciples are amazed, but that's not a positive word of amazed. They think, oh, this is awesome, like miracle, but they don't get it. This is not about getting saved from a storm. This is about a revelation, an epiphany, an unfolding of who is Jesus. This passage, the disciples are meant to get a reading, a way of looking at reality that's completely different than how they lived up to this point. And it says, they were amazed. Now, for they had not understood about the loaves. They didn't get the loaves. Their hearts were hard. Now here's how you know, is my heart hard? It's all related to the issue of the loaves, which is the miracle that happens right before this miracle. It's the feeding of the 5,000. And um, what is so interesting is the disciples, it says the 12 disciples, they're following Jesus. They're around miracles, they're hearing great teaching. But the only people who are described as having hard hearts in Mark, are the Pharisees. They're upset when Jesus is healing and doing signs and wonders on, on, on the Sabbath day. And it says Jesus was deeply distressed at their hardness of heart. And what happens is that the Pharisees go and decide they've got to kill Jesus. So the same closedness, the same kind of narrowness to Jesus doing a new thing, coming in a different way, putting them in storms, the disciples are going down the same bad road of getting hard in heart because they don't understand this thing about the loaves. They don't reflect and they miss it. You can go through a lot of the Christian life, learn a lot of knowledge, hear a lot of great sermons, but you don't reflect, and you know what? Your heart actually gets harder rather than softer because you, because you don't understand about the loaves. Now, this is, the loaves is the only miracle, except for the resurrection, that's in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's such an important story. There's so much in it. And basically, you said, if you don't get the loaves, you don't get it. You don't really get reality. Because it's the loaves, as we get it, makes room for reality. So let me just, let me just try to you know, expound the story a little bit. Because it's a different way of looking at circumstances, challenges, difficulties, and, and storms. And uh, in, in the story, feeding the 5,000, what happens is Jesus is out there teaching in the desert. And, and crowds come from all over. And 5,000 men, it says, show up. Now, which is really about 10,000 people at least when you include women and children. They only counted men. In those days. And so 10,000 people, it's late at night. Jesus has been teaching. Twelve disciples do what we do. They, they pray like this. Jesus, they tell Jesus what to do in prayer. We like that. They say, Jesus, send these people away. It's late. And basically, Jesus, you should not have been preaching so long. Okay? People, we, got a, we got a crisis out here now because of you. In fact, one scholar writes, they, 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 they basically lose respect for Jesus. They're starting to tell Jesus how to run the show. And uh, they say, send the people away. We don't have anything to give these people. They look at their resources. We don't have it. Um, send them away. And which is interesting, Jesus has compassion. Because when you have a wrong real view of reality, a wrong reading on reality, you lose compassion. Because all you do is you look at your resources and say, I have nothing, I have nothing to give these people. Send them away. i, I, I got to take care of myself. And uh, it's interesting. They don't get it that one greater than Moses is here. Right? Moses fed people in the wilderness. This is bigger than Moses is here now. The new Moses is going to lead us to a real promised land who died that we might get to a promised land. And so, like us, the disciples get, we get discouraged by reality. We call it reality. I'm in reality, Pete. Don't get your head in the clouds here. Life's tough. I'm overwhelmed. Ain't going to work. And so, the disciples like us, they're just trying to look at life in a natural way and, you know, it's not working. 
But here's what happens. Jesus says, okay, what do you have? And so they come forth with five loaves and two fish. So I want you to see now. These are two real fish. Okay. They smell bad. They've been out here for a while. Now those barley loaves that are mentioned here in your text was the food for poor people. It was small loaves, probably a little bit smaller than this. And, uh, and two fish. And so you've got 10,000 people here now looking to eat and they're hungry. Man, this fish is powerful. <laughs> and I like fish. So, again, Jesus takes, Jesus takes the five loaves and two fishes. Now, you just imagine this. You've got you to picture the scene here, 10,000 people. Jesus takes, you know, loaves. He, he gives thanks to the Father, and he begins to break it. He has all the people sitting down in groups, and, and he gets the 12 disciples. And now imagine, the disciples are right in the middle of this miracle. That's why you can be in the middle of a miracle and be hard as, uh, hard as a rock. And the disciples are, like, handing out the, the bread, you know. And, 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 and so what happens is this bread keeps multiplying. It just keeps multiplying. And so at the end, it says, we had 12, there's so much food, there's 12 baskets left over. Now, you got to picture the scene here, so I'm going to invite my basket carriers to come. Here we come, all right, basket carrier number one, as they're picking up the 12 baskets. Mr. Kazingo, and there's basket number two, and there's basket number three, and there's basket number four, and I hope you're hungry. Basket number five, and then six, and basket seven, and basket eight, and basket nine, and basket ten, my goodness, and basket twelve, eleven and twelve. Absolutely. We're not messing around at New Life Fellowship Church, all right? We got a little guppy here, you know, it's, it's wonderful. Fantastic. There you go. We're all set with the fish. But you're meant to see this. Now, now, they got manna in the wilderness for 40 years, just one day at a time, just enough for the day. But now one greater than Moses is here. Okay, it's no more one day at a time. When Jesus, there, there, Jesus there's a super abundance. There's a super comprehensiveness. There's a super power. And what happens is Jesus, here's the truth. Jesus brings into being something New when there are no ingredients. You make a little cake, you got to have the ingredients. Okay? This thing ran out. But Jesus created something new when there's no ingredients. There was no yeast and flour and you know, the eggs to make this bread and, and the fish. He just, he, he brings something new when there are no ingredients. You got, that, that's the truth here. You got to look at the vastness of it. Everybody's full. It was a smorgasbord, all right? 995, everybody's full. They ate as much as they wanted. Okay, no, I don't want to yell. Okay, you know. And it's gathering all the pieces off the floor. And this is 12 ba- big baskets fulls. And, and, and they're everybody, everybody's satisfied. One basket for each of the 12 disciples. They were supposed to get a message. Here, guys, take it home. Do you understand who I am? You know, as the Lord, as the great I am... You're worrying about food. And then he puts them into a storm. Because he wants them to really understand about the loaves. And the only way you're going to know if you got the loaves is if you're in the storm. When you're in scarcity, crisis, and difficulties. But the problem was, it says, they're in the storm, but they did not understand about the loaves. 
It had just happened, and they didn't get it. They were actually distributing it. Imagine, they saw the miracle, and the people wanted to make Jesus king. That's why he had to flee and get out of there, you know? And so, and so in a storm, things are looking bad. You're wondering where God is. And actually, the heart, in the, in, in the original language, refers to the control center of your lives. It's like the center, where you, where you sort out data and you make decisions. And, and would, it's, it's, it's the heart is allowing Jesus' reality to come in, to invade, and it breaks in and transforms the way you look at reality. You are to get, look at these loaves, and I, it's to get inside of us in such a way that our hearts are different. And we look at all reality different from then forth. And if you get this, friends, everything changes in your life. You change and everybody around you changes. Your family changes. Your workplace changes. Traffic changes. But I will... So so the disciples could have been in the storm, rowing hard. They see this ghost-like figure. Okay? And they're not terrified, screaming, that they actually be... Okay, we have fears here. But we know about the loaves. We know him who walks on water. Therefore, he brings new into something new when there are no ingredients. So we may not know what is going on right now. He's not appearing like he's appeared in the past. But we know he is good. He's on the throne and he lives forever. And therefore, we're going to hang in there and not quit in the midst of this thing. Now, I will acknowledge to you as I preach this message. I had a hard time preaching this message. Not because I don't love it. I love the message. It's because of my own heart. I mean, I, I, I got into this text probably two weeks ago. And I was on fire for this message. I, I, saw, I saw this picture. And I was like, yeah, Jesus, the loaf, yes. And I actually came to our, you know, like Rich and Jackie were in a room. And I think it was Red. And I just, I said, let me, I just got to tell you before we start this meeting. I got to tell you about the loaves, you know. And I told them all about the loaves. He brings something new when there are no ingredients. Friends, you realize what a future we've got. Oh my gosh, there's Jesus. We saw. I was all excited, you know. And they all listened. Yeah, yeah, it's good, Pete, you know. <laughs> and then the next day, this past week, we had a, 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 a meeting about, around marriage ministry. And, um. Uh, we started talking about all the, the needs, where we've come, all the great things God's done. But looking at now where we are as a church, we're a much bigger church. All these you know, young marriage, new marriage, people divorced, blended families. We talk about sexuality. How do we bring this into single people and start talking about relationships for dating people and folks who want to date. And then we got into youth. Then we got into children. How do you help people? Help? By the time we were finished, I was so depressed. I said, this is overwhelming. We were doing so good before we had this meeting. And all I know is I went home. I was so discouraged. I said, Jerry, I don't even want to talk right now. And I realized, I was like, I'm screaming, I'm terrified. Like, and then, so next day, you know, I, I go to the office, you know, I, I see Rich. I said, Rich, you know, I'm thinking of that meeting last night. I'm hoping Rich is going to say, man, that was bad. I said, yeah, it was bad. You know? And Rich says, man, Pete, the lows, man. Lows. Just like you said yesterday, he brings something new when there's no ingredients. He must have something great for us because there's no ingredients. How that's ever going to get done? I was like, oh, man. Look at these loads. I was like, I, I, I was like, I can't preach this message. Oh, God. Yes. But isn't it amazing how you can have it one day? You're in a storm the next, and it goes right out the window. 
You know, I think about Abraham and Sarah. They had no ingredients to have a child. The guy's 99 years old and she's 90. There's no ingredients for something new. Boom. All right. You know, Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's a teenager. She's not even married. She's not had sexual relations. Boom, child. All right. I mean, it brings the new without ingredients. But you think about the whole message of Christianity is a death and burial of Jesus. But it's about a resurrection. There's no ingredients for a resurrection, but there's God. And so there's something new that breaks forth. And so Jesus comes up against all of our human ways of knowing. Our human ways of thinking, our human ways of acting, and our human way of being. Jesus comes against all of that and he calls for basically a massive turn. Away from the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we be, the way that we interpret reality. And so look at what you've got before you. Okay, I don't know what you wrote down or what you were thinking when I started the message about what's your storm or what's your challenge, what's your fear before you. Now, some of you, your, your, your family situation, I know some of your family situations, you know, with your marriage or you're single or you're, your kids, but you're in deep trouble. And you don't have the ingredients to see anything great coming out of this thing. Well, I want to point you to the lows. Okay, look at the lows. Remember the lows. That your heart does not grow hard. Okay. You know, some of you are single. You say, I, I, I'd like to be married. Okay, but I am not, okay, and I feel like I am, I don't know, what good is going to come out of that? Listen, I'm not saying, I'm not minimizing it, but I want you to look at the lows. Look at the lows. This is Jesus. And so you hang in there, because he's got something new for you when there's no ingredients. Or you're in a deep hole, and some of you are, because you've made some decisions that got you in a deep hole. You say, I'll never get out of this hole. Look at the lows as you offer it to him. You know, or you've been in a relationship breakdown, and I know what that's like, beyond repair. You say, I see nothing good coming out of this but pain. No, you look at the lows. Because God's got something new when there's no ingredients for you. That's what Jesus is all about. Every seven to eight years, as the senior pastor at New Life, I've taken a sabbatical at New Life for like a three to four month period. And the reason has been, it comes out of the biblical teaching of uh, the land would rest every seven years. And so that God can replenish the nutrients. Now, we teach Sabbath on a weekly basis here, right? 24-hour period, we four qualities. Stop, rest, uh, delight, and contemplate God. But that God does something in those seasons of that weekly sabbatical rest that can happen no other way. Well, the same way for us in leadership in New Life, it's very important we take sabbaticals to get away. It's not a vacation, it's a sabbatical. To stop, to rest, to delight in God, receive from him, and uh, for the next phase, and contemplate him. And so I'm actually due for my next sabbatical. I'm going to actually go in a week and a half for 12 weeks. And, um, but it's a very difficult thing for me to do. And I really, it's all related to the lows. I almost skipped this third sabbatical and, uh, because a lot to do, a lot to do. And I, I come out of a, a family where my family did not believe in rest. And, uh, my, 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 my uncle had a heart attack in our bakery shop. He went to work within five days. My father used to say, Pete, when you stop working, you will die. I said, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, workaholism was in the bloodstream. You know, and then my leadership Christian training and the wider culture around us. There's nothing in it for a structured sabbatical to get to God. And, uh, but Jesus was very clear about his own getting up to mountains to pray. So he would not do what the people wanted, but rather the Father's will. But something comes out of no ingredients, which to me is silence and being. Emotional health came out of my first sabbatical. The monastic contemplative came out of my second sabbatical. I had someone say to me recently, I said, 
we can't wait till you go away again. I said, thank you very much. And, no, they said, because you came back, so they changed every time. And I don't know what God has for me. I know he's, we got some things structured with monastic movements and some study. We've got a lot of stuff structured, Jerry and I. But I know this, the loaves. That even though it feels weird, it the loaves. That God's got great things out of, when there's no ingredients, God brings something forth. But Jesus brings us into something new when there are no ingredients. But here's the problem. We only learn this in storms. We only learn this in crises and walls and darkness. To learn this, that Jesus brings into being something new when there are no ingredients, it doesn't feel good to learn this. You don't learn this in the light. You learn this in the darkness. You learn this in the waters being heavy. Disciples, that's why they had to, Jesus kept putting them into storms. So we forget, and I know I forget, because I don't like it. The biblical theme is God comes to us when we're in a tight, extreme spot. That's the whole message of scripture. How did God, God came to Elijah in a still small voice and silence when, when he was suicidal and running for his life. Low point of his life, God reveals himself to Elijah in a whole new way. God comes to Moses in a burning bush in a whole new way after 40 years of failure. He comes to Moses in the golden calf and the, God wants to wipe out the whole nation of Israel. Moses finally says, show me your glory. He sees God's back. But it was in a moment of great extremity. Job loses his family. Ten, imagine 10 kids dying. Losing all your wealth. Losing your status. Losing his health. He's about to die. God comes to him and God says, 35 chapters of anguish. And Moses said, I, Job says, I used to hear of you, but now I know you. I've seen you. How are you going to see the loaves? I'm telling you, you've got to go through it. Ezekiel has a vision of the glory of God in a whirlwind, but it's in a whirlwind that's a storm. And he gets a vision. Now, so here's the rough news, everybody, is that instead of fighting the darkness and fighting the storm, God's invitation is to look and listen. In other words, instead of running away from the dryness and the confusion... And the difficulty, considered an invitation from God, he is calling you deeper. He is calling you into a deep place with himself that he can get you in no other way. So stop avoiding it, but lean into it. Some of us, we quit. And I, I'm, believe me, I'm right at the top of it. I'll run away. But if you stay with Jesus and you persevere in the not knowing, because there's lots of not knowing. And then Jesus comes and you don't recognize him. They think he's a ghost. You understand? He's expanding your vision of who he is. You, we, we see Jesus a certain way, but it's in those storms. And you look all through biblical history, you learn things about who he is that you can see in no other way. But at first you're like, this can't be him. But he's much bigger, more powerful, more comprehensive, and more abundant than you ever dreamed. And he pushes the box, he breaks it open by taking you out into the unknown. Into this uncomfortable place where you say, I think I'm going to die. And a part of you wants to scream because you say, I think I'm going under. I don't see you. But he's there and he's not passing you by. In fact, he's going to climb in the boat. And he speaks some words, don't be afraid. I like Augustine where he says, if you understand, it is not God you understand. He is bigger than your understanding. And so he's drawing you. He's drawing me into union with him. Could you imagine? I want to just try to imagine if every one of us in this room got the loaves like this picture was just in your mind when you're at work tomorrow and someone's like, that boss is a bum we hate him you know and they're cursing him and you're like mm, the loaves the loaves <laughs> god could bring something new when there are no ingredients you know or i lost my job my goodness i'm unemployed what's gonna happen 
The loaves, the loaves. We started with this, but we ended with this. And that's who he is. And he walks on water and he says, don't be afraid. I am, you know, take courage. And so he doesn't need it. And so just, you will be, first of all, you'll be different. Of course, and I'll be different. I mean, you have hope. You've got an ability to stay even when it's difficult and persevere when the feelings are gone. But do you realize you change the environment everywhere you go? You just, you're like, not that you're like this, you know, health and wealth gospel, like this cheap kind of flimsy, superficial Christianity. No, because it came out of a storm. It came out of a place of depth to it. And you're able to say, wait a second, Jesus brings something new when there are no ingredients. So you're right. This situation's dead as a doornail, but we're going to wait on the Lord here. But he's going to bring something new when there's no ingredients because that's who he is. And so I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to stay with him. I'm going to persevere when everything in me wants to quit. I'm going to be in fellowship because I know who he is. And I'm not going to quit this thing. So what's interesting is you go to, go to verse 50 because I, I want to close this with not just the miracle of he brings something into being when into some, into, he brings into being something new when there's no ingredients. That is true. But there's another truth here is that he brings a power to walk in that reality. I mean, how, you see, I mean, I look at that and I say, how am I going to walk in this? I mean, and how are you going to walk in this? How can we be such different people that we can actually live in that new reality of Jesus? And the answer is, he actually brings power so it can happen. And uh, he, he, he brings a word and he speaks to them. He says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Very important. He says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Do you know, remember that story of Ezekiel and dry bones? Ezekiel speaks the word and the dry bones rattle and they come to life. Okay. Jesus' words have resurrection power. And so he brings a new power to the disciples. And he brings a new power to us to actually walk in a reality that's so foreign to us. I mean, it's not our culture. It's not your family of origin. It's not your history. This is a whole new reality. This, the abundance of the 12 full basketfuls. The Lord God Almighty. And so his word transforms. So listen, hear this word. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Not very philosophical, but very deep. Imagine your life without being crippled by fear. Who might you be? What might you do? Where might you go? We live in a culture which, which breathes fear. People make a living giving us fear. Radio broadcast, you know, cable TV, newspaper. That's how they sell papers. We breathe it economically in our economy. We breathe it in politics. We breathe it in the educational system. We feel, we're so full of fear, we distance ourselves from people. We distance ourselves from ourselves. We're afraid. We get busy. We're afraid of learning new things. We're, try, we're afraid of going new places. We're afraid of our, for our families. We're afraid for our kids. We're afraid for our parents. We're afraid of looking foolish. We're afraid of making mistakes. We're afraid of speaking the truth. We're afraid of living from the inside out. Friends, Jesus comes and says, do not be afraid. He's not saying you shouldn't have fears. Having fears is part of being human. It's you don't have to be fear. You don't have to be crippled by fear. You can have them. But like that teacher, you can walk over them. And what Jesus offers us this morning, friends, he offers us power to live in that new reality. So I, I like what one theologian said. 
The word of God is not a vibration in the air. The word of God breaks into a situation and creates a new one. When the word of God is understood, when it's received and when it's surrendered to, something happens. It explodes 30, 60, Jesus said, and a hundredfold. Something take a reality happens in a person when that word is taken in that is new. It's a power released. And so when we receive this word from Jesus today, this is a word from Jesus. It resurrects us. We need a resurrection to live in the new reality of Jesus. And uh, because this word gives courage, it gives victory here. So, so here's the invitation. You know, I'm gonna, we're going to do an exercise together. But the invitation is to abandon control. Some of you love to control everything. It's to trust him completely and not be afraid. Because as scripture teaches us, to God, light and darkness are the same. Okay, God, God's not, I mean, light, darkness, God is God over the whole thing. Doesn't change a thing for him. So here's what we're going to do. There's the word. Take courage. That's the word of the Lord for you. If you'll take that word in. Again, not just information for your head, but formation. Take it inside of you. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Okay? We're going to do it. I'm going re- to read it. I'm gonna, we're gonna actually, I'm going to invite you to pray it with me. Uh, to pray the verse. And I'm going to read it once. I'm going to give you about 15, 20 seconds. There'll be silence after each one. And reflect and respond and rest in that truth. And then I'll say, take courage, it is I. I'll read a little bit shorter section. And then I'll close with, take courage. But I want you to hear it as a word from Jesus for you. For you, as you began the message thinking about your storm. Your difficulty and circumstance that you find yourself in. And I want to invite you now to, 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 to let the word of Jesus, who rose and died, that you might be resurrected yourself. Be forgiven, yes, but receive power for a whole new life, a whole new reality. So I'm going to close your eyes with me. To identify that difficult circumstance or fear or challenge. And far from being uncaring or aloof, Jesus is climbing into the boat with you. So I want to invite you now to pray with this verse. I'll read the following lines. There'll be some silence, 15, 20 seconds. The word of the Lord Jesus. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Jesus speaks to you and says, take courage, it is I. Take courage, it is I. Finally, the Lord Jesus says to you, take courage. Receive it. Take courage. Worship team, come forward. Let's all pray together so they pray. And so, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would breathe into us now by your power. And that in your power released in us right now, 
you might resurrect the dead parts of our hearts that are hard and slow to see and understand. And you might just not give us a mind revelation, but a heart revelation about the loaves, Lord. That as we walk into our days and weeks, that we may see the 12 full baskets of overflowing loaves and fish from you. So we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand, everybody. Let's sing together. So as we close here, we've got the Lord's table to your right. And Jesus is the loaf, right? Come and eat and drink of him. We invite you to come as a believer to that table. But as we close here, you know, Christianity is about a power. Power of Jesus, the living God in Christ. So I, maybe you here today, you know, I mean, the miracle is Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. He, he loves us so much, he just comes after us. And so I don't know where you are spiritually. You may be a person, today's your day, you know. Cross a line and come to Christ and experience really a new birth today. You know, come to a personal relationship with this Jesus who says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And today's your day. And I want you, don't run out of here. A friend, bring your friend up front. You know, you say, can you come with me and receive Christ? Let today be your day, really, of a new birth resurrection. And you come. Don't run out of here. But I also want to speak to those who are disciples, like myself, and it's interesting how over time, they actually, their hearts grew hard. They were around so many miracles. And I was thinking about reconciliation in our church. Reconciliation in New Life Fellowship is a miracle. I mean, New Life Fellowship, our existence is a miracle. But it's so easy to not even see the miracles. Ah, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? But really not see God. It's amazing to go through life and not see God. And yet God's moving all around us, doing miracles. And so I, I want to, as we close our prayer teams, you come forward here. But the Bible's really clear in the book of Hebrews that in order to not grow hard of heart, that we are to, we need each other. It says, do not stop gathering and being together that your heart, lest your heart grow hard. Hebrews 3.13, it's all over Hebrews. That the challenge and how much we need each other and praying for each other, friends, because our hearts can grow hard in a nanosecond. And this is a very supernatural way to live, to see the loaves. To live your life seeing that loaves. Friends, that is... That's going to require power from heaven. And that's what God wants to release to us this day from Jesus. Not just a truth about Jesus, but a power from him that comes out of his word. So I want you, as you, you know, you know who you are. You need to come for prayer that you might receive power, power from him. Let us pray, anoint you with oil, that your heart might be soft, that the littlest seed might take root in you and explode 30, 60, 100 fold. You'd be great soil because you'd understand about the littles. Okay, so our prayer teams will be here. If you need prayer for anything else, you come forward. Of course, whatever God, you want God to do in you, may he do it. But we want to be people of soft heart before him. All right, so as we close, I invite you to, if you want to close your eyes, open up your hands towards heaven like this and receive from him. And our prayer teams will be here. The Lord's table will be here. We'll keep it quiet in the sanctuary. Just hands open to receive a blessing. So many times we think we're hanging on to Jesus. We don't understand he's hanging on to us. That's why we're still alive. He's got you in his grasp this day. And he looks at you and he delights in you and he loves you. He loves you enough to have died for you and risen again. And he pursues you. And so now may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may the Lord fill you with peace in the midst of storms. May you know rest in the midst of anxiety may you know what it means to live centered 
even when your feelings aren't there. And may you rest in the storm because he is the Lord of all the loaves of abundance. And may you remember the loaves as you leave this place. And may you not be afraid. May his courage fill you. In Jesus' name, be blessed. And everybody said, amen. God bless everyone. Have a wonderful day.